Book One, Canto Twelve of the Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Thomas Copeland. Canto Twelve. Fair Una to the Red Cross Knight betrothed is with joy, though false Duessa it to bar her false slights to employ. Behold, I see the haven nigh at hand to which I mean my weary course to bend. Veer the main sheet and bear up with the land the which afore is fairly to be kenned, and seemeth safe from storms that may offend. There this fair virgin, weary of her way, must landed be, now at her journey's end. There eke my feeble bark a while may stay, till merry wind and weather call her thence away. Scarcely had Phoebus in the glooming east yet harnessed his fiery-footed team, ne reared above the earth his flaming crest, when the last deadly smoke aloft did steam, that sign of last outbreathed life did seem unto the watchman on the castle wall, who thereby dead that baleful beast did deem, and to his lord and lady loud gan call to tell how he had seen the dragon's fatal fall. Uprose with hasty joy and feeble speed that aged sire, the lord of all that land, and looked forth, to weet if true indeed those tidings were as he did understand which, when as true by trial he outfond, he bade to open wide his brazen gate, which long time had been shut, and out of hand proclaimed joy and peace through all his state, for dead now was their foe, which them forayed late. Then gan triumphant trumpets sound on high, that sent to heaven the echoed report of their new joy and happy victory against him that had them long oppressed with tort, and fast imprisoned in sieged fort. Then all the people, as in solemn feast, to him assembled with one full consort, rejoicing at the fall of that great beast, from whose eternal bondage now they were released. Forth came that ancient lord and aged queen, arrayed in antique robes down to the ground, and sad habiliments right well beseen, a noble crew about them waited round of sage and sober peers, all gravely gowned, whom far before did march a goodly band of tall young men, all hable arms to sound, but now they laurel branches bore in hand, glad sign of victory and peace in all their land. And to that doughty conqueror they came, and him before themselves prostrating low, their lord and patron loud did him proclaim, and at his feet their laurel boughs did throw. Soon after them, all dancing on a row, the comely virgins came with girlands dight, as fresh as flowers in meadow green do grow, when morning dew upon their leaves doth light, and in their hands sweet timbrels all upheld on height. And then before, the fry of children young, their wanton sports and childish mirth did play, and to the maidens sounding timbrels sung in well-attuned notes a joyous lay, and made delightful music all the way, until they came where that fair virgin stood, as fair Diana in fair summer's day, beholds her nymphs enranged in shady wood. Some wrestle, some do run, some bathe in crystal flood. So she beheld those maidens' merriment with cheerful view, who, when to her they came, themselves to ground with gracious humblest bent, and her adored by honorable name, lifting to heaven her everlasting fame. Then on her head they set a girland green, and crowned her twixt earnest and twixt game, 
who in her self-resemblance well beseen did seem such as she was a goodly maiden queen and after all the rascal many ran heaped together in rude ravelment to see the face of that victorious man whom all admired as from heaven sent and gazed upon with gaping wonderment but when they came where that dead dragon lay stretched on the ground in monstrous large extent the sight with idle fear did them dismay ne durst approach him nigh to touch or once assay some feared and fled some feared and well it feigned one that would wiser seem than all the rest warned him not touch for yet perhaps remained some lingering life within his hollow breast or in his womb might lurk some hidden nest of many dragonets his fruitful seed another said that in his eyes did rest yet sparkling fire and bade thereof take heed another said he saw him move his eyes indeed one mother when as her foolhardy child did come too near and with his talents play half dead through fear her little babe reviled and to her gossips gan in counsel say how can i tell but that his talents may yet scratch my son or rend his tender hand so diversely themselves in vain they fray while some more bold to measure him nigh stand to prove how many acres he did spread of land thus flocked all the folk him round about the whiles that hoary king with all his train being arrived where that champion stout after his foe's defeasance did remain him goodly greets and fair does entertain with princely gifts of ivory and gold and thousand thanks him yields for all his pain then when his daughter dear he does behold her dearly doth embrace and kisseth manifold and after to his palace he them brings with shams and trumpets and with clarions sweet and all the way the joyous people sings and with their garments strows the paved street whence mounting up they find purveyance meet of all that royal prince's court became and all the floor was underneath their feet bespread with costly scarlet of great name on which they lowly sit and fitting purpose frame what needs me tell their feast and goodly guise in which was nothing riotous nor vain what needs of dainty dishes to devise of comely services or courtly train my narrow leaves cannot in them contain the large discourse of royal princes state yet was their manner then but bare and plain for the antique world excess and pride did hate such proud luxurious pomp is swollen up but late then when with meats and drinks of every kind their fervent appetites they quenched had that ancient lord gan fit occasion find of strange adventures and of perils sad which in his travel and befallen had for to demand of his renowned guest who then with utterance grave and countenance sad from point to point as is before expressed discoursed his voyage long according his request great pleasure mixed with pitiful regard that godly king and queen did passionate whiles they his pitiful adventures heard that oft they did lament his luckless state and often blame the too importunate fate that heaped on him so many wrathful wreaks for never gentle knight as he of late so tossed was in fortune's cruel freaks and all the while salt tears bedewed the hearer's cheeks then said that royal peer in sober wise dear son 
Great been the evils which she bore from first to last in your late enterprise, that I note whether praise or pity more. For never living man I ween so sore in sea of deadly dangers was distressed. But since now safe he sees it at the shore, and well arrived are, I God be blessed, let us devise of ease and everlasting rest. Ah, dearest Lord, said then that doughty knight, of ease or rest I may not yet devise, for by the faith which I to arms have plight I bounden am straight after this emprise, as that your daughter can you well advise, back to return to that great fairy queen, and her to serve six years in warlike wise, gainst that proud Paynim king that works her teen. Therefore I ought crave pardon till I there have been. Unhappy falls that heart necessity, quoth he, the troubler of my happy peace, and vowed foe to my felicity. Nay, I against the same can justly priest, but since that band ye cannot now release, nor done undo, for vows may not be vain, soon as the term of those six years shall cease, ye then shall hither back return again, the marriage to accomplish vowed betwixt you twain, which for my part I covet to perform, in sort as through the world I did proclaim that whoso killed that monster most deform, and him in hardy battle overcame, should have mine only daughter to his dame and of my kingdom heir apparent be. Therefore, since now to thee pertains the same, by due desert of noble chivalry, both daughter and e kingdom, lo, I yield to thee. Then forth he called that his daughter fair, the fairest oon, his only daughter dear, his only daughter and his only heir, who forth proceeding with sad sober cheer, as bright as doth the morning star appear out of the east, with flaming locks bedight to tell that dawning day is drawing near, and to the world does bring long-wished light, so fair and fresh that lady showed herself in sight, so fair and fresh as freshest flower in May, for she had laid her mournful stole aside, and widow-like sad wimple thrown away, wherewith her heavenly beauty she did hide, whiles on her weary journey she did ride, and on her now a garment she did wear, all lily-white, without an spot or pride, that seemed like silk and silver woven near. But neither silk nor silver therein did appear. The blazing brightness of her beauty's beam, and glorious light of her sunshiny face to tell, were as to strive against the stream. My ragged rhymes are all too rude and base, her heavenly lineaments for to enchase. No wonder for her own dear-loved knight, all were she daily with himself in place, did wonder much at her celestial sight. Oft had he seen her fair, but never so fair dight. So fairly dight, when she in presence came, she to her sire made humble reverence, and bowed low that her right well became, and added grace unto her excellence, who with great wisdom and grave eloquence thus gan to say, but ere he thus had said, with flying speed and seeming great pretense, came running in, much like a man dismayed, a messenger with letters, which his message said. All in the open hall amazed stood at suddenness of that unwary sight, and wondered at his breathless hasty mood. But he for naught would stay his passage right, till fast before the king he did alight, 
where falling flat, great humblest he did make and kissed the ground whereon his foot was tight. Then to his hands that writ he did betake, which he disclosing read thus as the paper spake. To thee, most mighty king of Eden fair, her greeting sends in these sad lines addressed, the woeful daughter and forsaken heir of that great emperor of all the West, and bids thee be advised for the best, ere thou thy daughter link in holy band of wedlock to that new unknown guest, for he already plighted his right hand unto another love, and to another land. To me, sad maid, or rather widow sad, he was affianced long time before, and sacred pledges he both gave and had, false errant knight, infamous, and forswore. Witness the burning altars which he swore, and guilty heavens of his bold perjury, which, though he hath polluted oft of yore, yet I to them for judgment just do fly, and them conjure to venge this shameful injury. Therefore, since mine he is, or free or bond, or false or true, or living or else dead, withhold, O sovereign prince, your hasty hand from knitting league with him, are you a reed. Now ween my right with strength adown to tread, through weakness of my widowhead, or woe. For truth is strong, her rightful cause to plead, and shall find friends if need requireth so. So bids thee well to fare, thy neither friend nor foe, Fidessa. When he these bitter biting words had read, the tidings strange did him abashed make that still he sate long time astonished as in great muse no word to creature spake at last his solemn silence thus he brake with doubtful eyes fast fixed on his guest redoubted knight that for mine only sake thy life and honour late adventurest let not be hid from me that ought to be expressed what mean these bloody vows and idle threats thrown out from womanish impatient mind what heavens, what altars, what enraged heats here, heaped up with terms of love unkind, my conscience clear with guilty bands would bind. High God be witness that I guiltless am. But if yourself, Sir Knight, ye faulty find, or rapid be in loves of former dame, with crime do not it cover, but disclose the same. To whom the Red Cross Knight this answer sent, My Lord, my King, be not hereat dismayed, till well ye wot, by grave intendiment, what woman, and wherefore doth me upbraid with breach of love and loyalty betrayed. It was in my mishaps, as hitherward I lately travelled, that unwares I strayed out of my way through perils strange and hard. That day should fail me, ere I had them all declared. There did I find, or rather I was found, of this false woman that Fidessa hight, Fidessa, height the falsest dame on ground, most false duessa, royal richly dight, that easy was to inveigle weaker sight, who by her wicked arts and wily skill, too false and strong for earthly skill or might, unwares me wrought unto her wicked will, and to my foe betrayed when least I fear it ill. Then stepped forth that goodly royal maid, and on the ground herself prostrating low, with sober countenance, thus to him said, 
Oh, pardon me, my sovereign lord, to show the secret treasons which of late I know to have been wrought by that false sorceress. She, only she it is, that erst did throw this gentle knight into so great distress that death him did await in daily wretchedness. And now it seems that she suborned hath this crafty messenger with letters vain to work new woe and improvided scath by breaking of the band betwixt us twain wherein she used hath the practic pain of this false footman cloaked with simpleness whom if ye please for to discover plain ye shall him archimago find i guess the falsest man alive who tries shall find no less the king was greatly moved at her speech and all with sudden indignation freight bade on that messenger rude hands to reach Eftsoons the guard, which on his state did wait, attached that fater false, and bound him straight, who, seeming sorely chafed at his band, as chained bear whom cruel dogs do bait, with idle force did feign them to withstand, and often semblance made to scape out of their hand. But they him laid full low in dungeon deep, and bound him hand and foot with iron chains, and with continual watch did warily keep. Who then would think that by his subtle trains he could escape foul death or deadly pains? Thus, when that prince's wrath was pacified, he gan renew the late forbidden banes, and to the knight his daughter dear he tied, with sacred rites and vows for ever to abide. His own two hands the holy knots did knit that none but death for ever can divide. His own two hands, for such a term most fit, the housling fire did kindle and provide, and a holy water thereon sprinkled wide, at which the bushy teed a groom did light, and sacred lamp in secret chamber hide, where it should not be quenched day nor night for fear of evil fates, but burnen ever bright. Then gan they sprinkle all the posts with wine, and made great feast to solemnize that day, they all perfumed with frankincense divine and precious odors fetched from far away that all the house did sweat with great array and all the while sweet music did apply her curious skill the warbling notes to play to drive away the dull melancholy the whiles one sung a song of love and jollity during the which there was an heavenly noise heard sound through all the palace pleasantly like as it had been many an angel's voice singing before the eternal majesty in their trinal triplicities on high. Yet wist no creature whence that heavenly sweet proceeded. Yet each one felt secretly himself thereby reft of his senses meet, and ravished with rare impression in his sprite. Great joy was made that day of young and old, and solemn feast proclaimed throughout the land that their exceeding mirth may not be told. Suffice it here by signs to understand the usual joys at knitting of love's band. Thrice happy man the knight himself did hold, possessed of his lady's heart and hand, and ever when his eye did her behold, his heart did seem to melt in pleasures manifold. Her joyous presence and sweet company, in full content, he there did long enjoy. No wicked envy, no vile jealousy his dear delights were able to annoy. Yet swimming in that sea of blissful joy, he not forgot how he whilom had sworn in case he could that monstrous beast destroy, unto his fairy queen back to return, 
the which he shortly did, and Una left to mourn. Now strike your sails, ye jolly mariners, for we be come unto a quiet road where we must land some of our passengers, and light this weary vessel of her load. Here she a while may make her safe abode till she repaired have her tackles spent and want supplied and then again abroad on the long voyage whereto she is bent. Well may she speed, and fairly finish her intent. End of Canto Twelve End of Book One of The Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer Recording by Thomas Copeland